Okay, Boker Torah. Today's daf, the uh, penultimate daf of Shkalim, Chafalim. We begin with um, um, the bottom of Chafalim with Beth. Um, And because the mission discussed who brings the korban of the Kohen Gadol once he's dead, the assumption that it was brought, we have we are beginning into text at various aspects of the korban of the korban of the mincha that the Kohen Gadol would bring the Asiri Taifa half in the morning and half in the afternoon. So now the Gemara talks about how it's made, and we pick up with we pick up where it says like this: um, Tufine. We're discussing a posthumous. No, no, well, no. The mission was discussing the posthumous korban that leads the Gemara to discussing other aspects of how this korban, how this mincha was brought on a regular basis. Okay, we'll get back to how it's brought in the special cases, but now we're even just talking how it's regularly brought. So if you take a look at it's um, the, about about uh, two fifths from the bottom, the line starts with the word. Um, there's actually a marginal note where it says lirachacha. Or, um, so it starts with the word chamin, chamin lirvucha or chamin lirachacha, and then it says chufine. Yeah. So then people see that, like near an asterisk at the beginning of the line. Okay, now what? Is it mincha No. What is it? Yeah, it's like a regular mincha, except that it's all burnt up, like a normal mincha v'kohen, which is all burnt up. Okay, so the pasuk in Vayikra says, um, I'll just read you the pasuk so you know even what we're talking about. Um, um, okay. So first of all, that's where we get the idea that this is brought by every Kohen on the day that they begin their service. Half in the morning, half in the afternoon. So al machavat on a firing pan, bashemen teaset. So you 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 know you uh, you roast it on a firing pan. Murbechet to Vienna, which also means how they said that murbechet repeatedly baked. Okay, tufine minchat pitin. Now the word tufine could mean broken into pieces like pitin, but we're going to see that the Gemara understands the word tufine from the word afia. So it both is fried and it is baked. That the Kohen Hamashiach, the Kohen Gadol brings it, and that's how we learn that the Kohen Gadol brings it every single day. So it's machatita, it's split in half. It's a type of a mincha. It's brought when they are initiated into the service, as we learned yesterday. And now we're going to talk about how it is made. So let's take a look. Tufine. Okay, so baked um, is how it's reading it. Um, so it says, Rebbe Yassi B'Shem Rebbe Chanina Metagna, but it also said, right, that you do it on a machavat, Pashemen, that you, that you, uh, re- that you saute it, exactly, you fry it. So he says, Metagna V'Acha Kofelta. First you, first you fry it, and then you bake it. Rebbe Acha B'Shem Rebbe Chanina, Om says, Ofelta V'Achach Metagna. No, you reverse it. First you bake it, and then you fry it. Tufine. Now we're going to have a play on the words, what, what? Right, now we're going to have a play on the words of tufine. What is tufine? So, tufine ta'asena na. So one explanation is, you should bake it while it is na. Now we normally translate na as raw, but the Gemara elsewhere, at least the Bible, translates na as like half-baked, not fully baked. So this is going to be understood to be a, to correspond to the position that you fry it and then you bake it. That when you bake it, it's already it's already a little bit baked. So tufine na, bake it while it is half baked, while it is sort of uh, it mean it like half raw. It doesn't mean it like don't bake it fully. No, 
No, that's not how it's being understood. Revi Omer, Ta'asena Na'e. You should bake it that it looks nice. Now again, if you look at the side, there are all these different gears, or rakad, very softly. We'll read it last way. Riba, so many times. So, you know, again, there's other gears on the side, which is like noye. Anyway, but okay. So anyway, but the way that with our gears it's read is bake it many times. Okay, which means like, according to some, it means bake it, then fry it, then bake it again. Okay, so we're going to sort of bracket the many times and we're going to look at the first two positions and try to link them to the two positions we just said. Okay, so Asian Elin Pluxa Kahinin Pluxa, Plugvasa. This debate, it links to that debate. It goes like the same issue of the debate about whether you fry it first or bake it first. Manda Amr Ta'asena Na'eh. Again, there's many gears, so we'll go with the one printed. The one that says bake it nicely. So the way that the baking is nice is if you want to make it to look nice when it's baked, you don't start by frying it first. You bake it first. Okay, then whatever you do afterwards, you'll do afterwards. So that when it's baked, it still looks very nice. The one that says you bake it when it's, qua- when it's a quasi-raw, but not fully raw. So that says that first you fry it and then you bake it. So when you get to the baking, it is not, it is not totally raw. It's quasi-raw. Okay. So anyway, different debates about what, what order you did it and a play on the word of tufine. Now, losof davar shemeiz el afilu nitma vafilu Now this gets back to the Mishnah, which is, uh, now we're back to the special case, that the coin Gadol dies, and the assumption that even when there's no coin Gadol, it gets brought in his absence um, um, by his heirs or by communal funds. Okay, which is an interesting assumption. And now the Gemara says, not even if he's not dead, even if there's another reason why he can't bring it. For example, what would be another reason? He's tummy. Or maybe even if he has a mum. Now that's also interesting because normally a tummy person can have a korban brought to them. So this assumes that he is not only having it brought for him, he is actually the one that is bringing it. Okay? And the Pesach says, He does it. Okay? So, question is really the Kohen Gadol was every single day in the base of Mikdash bringing this korban, but nevertheless, the, the Gemara here assumes that at least he has to be fit to, be, to have it brought. What happens if he is Tamei or it is a Mum? And it would presumably then fall into the same rule as our Mishnah. It would be brought from other funds, although you wouldn't have the heirs pay for it if he's alive, he's just Tamei. So, again, one wonders, does that mean it would be brought in his absence but from his funds? Okay, not so clear. Meaning, like, not only, it doesn't end the matter, it's not only in a case when he dies, okay? That's not the end of the discussion. Even in these other cases, also it would be brought for him. But he was there every day. Well, assuming that he actually personally brought it, yes. That's what I said. Not clear. It would be bizarre to think his heirs would pay for it if he's coming. No, but just have his, like, friends. Why not his own body? Why not just take it? Why not just have him pay for it? No, right, that's what I'm saying. Meaning, like, somebody else brings it for him. He pays for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so that's what I'm saying. It's not clear from this what it means. It means it was brought for him, but whether who's paying for it, you would assume that he would ultimately have to pay it. Right. Ha- ha- yeah, I'm, I agree. Yeah, another calling right away. We have that. Yes, it, the woman, seven sons, and it's like one was coming, the other one took over. Right. If he's needed, well, right. But if he's. Uh, 
um, if he is needed, you know, like you get that on Yom Kippur where the Kohen Gadol becomes Tamei and your Imana Acher Tachtav, but that's when he's needed. Like if he's not needed that day in the base of Mikdash and he happens to be Tamei and like, what, every time he becomes Tamei he has to go ahead, you have to appoint another Kohen Gadol? I mean, no, if he's needed then you appoint somebody else in his place. Yeah, I mean, the Skan, right, can serve, right. If he's needed, somebody takes his place, but you don't, you don't substitute him just because one day he's Tomei. Um, okay. So, Tani Rebbe Yudh Ben Pazi, Devar Dalia, um, which is apparently his name, um, or place from the place of Bardalia, Vafilu Nidchemimu. Okay, even if he's pushed out because of a mum, again, and he can't bring, somebody, you would have it brought for him. Now we get to the basic halacha about how do we know that it's brought for him when he's not around. Okay, whether, you know, and uh, where, where do we get this idea? Maybe if he can't bring it, maybe certainly if he's not alive, you know, it's one thing to be alive and not be present and it's brought for him, but how do we know it's brought even after he's dead? How do you know you bring it? Two questions, really. A, how do you bring it? No, you bring it after he's dead. B, how do you know it comes from the estate? It's a play on the puzzle. The puzzle says, The Kohen that becomes anointed into, you know, from the son of the Kohen Gadol, meaning that the, the new Kohen Gadol will bring it, but they, we, 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 we cut the puzzle in half and we only read the words, not that he's anointed from the sons of the, of the ex-Kohen Gadol, of the previous Kohen Gadol, no, we just need the sons of the Kohen Gadol brings it when would the sons bring it? must be, he's dead maybe when it's brought by the sons he's dead maybe it is brought like when he brings it half in the morning, half in the afternoon so in that last Pasuk where it speaks about the, you know, the Kohen Gadol brings it it doesn't mention the half and half so since we're reading that passage to talk about that he's dead, then we read, oh, when he's dead and the sons bring it, they bring it whole. They don't bring it in two halves. Kula Amarti. Diva Rebbe Huta. They bring it whole. No. No. They bring it all as one unit. That's what the Mishnah says. That when they bring it, well, the Gemara is going to stay. No, no, no. When he, every day that he's not around and there's no Kohen Gadol, the Mincha continues to be brought. It comes from the, from the estate, from the heirs, and it's brought as a whole unit, not as half units. The Gemara in a minute will discuss how that imp- what implications that has of how it's brought. But that's in the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Michel Rebbe Hudo Mer, Michel Yorshim Vishleim Ahaita Kreva. Okay, not in two halves. Okay, Diver Rebbe Yehuda. Rebbe Shimon Omer, Einabah El Michel Tzibur. It's coming from communal funds. Shene Amar Chok Olam. A eternal edict, that's how the Pasuk ends. Chok Olam, right? Lashem Kaliotaktar. So Chok Olam. So basically, now how does that say it's from the Tzibur? So it says, Mishabriz Kusalo. The one for whom, it's a, like you, you make the covenant for their sake. Again, so again, it's somehow the, uh, what's the name? The Korban Ada says, it says, says the Drush is the following. Olam Shalom. From the funds of the one who is the Olam, who is, you know, who, who owns everything. God. From God's funds. So it's from God's funds, it's from the communal funds that have been given to the Beit HaMikdash and not from the Yorshim funds. Neither do I. Okay? So, <laughs> anyway, but somehow Olam means God. So it's God's korban at this stage and therefore comes from God's funds, from Beit HaMikdash funds. Khalil Taktar, Khalil HaKtara, you burn it all up, you don't do it in two halves. 
So there's no debate about this idea when he said you do it as a unit, you don't do it in halves, but the debate is where does it come from? Rabbi Yehudah says it comes from the Yorshim, Rabbi Shimon says it comes from the Tzibur. Now we've got a little problem, because in our Mishnah, Rabbi Shimon said this is one of the Takanot, remember, that basically was Metakain, that it would come from the Tzibur. But according to this, Rabbi Shimon is learning out from a Pasuk that it comes from the Tzibur. So which is it? Is it a Pasuk? Okay, that's what the Bible would say. Let's see what the Yishama says. Is it a Pasuk that it comes from the Tzibur, or is it a Takana? So let's see what the Gemara says. The Pasuk said it had to be Chatsi, right? So that was just under normal circumstances. Under normal circumstances. But the last Pasuk, which talks about the Kohen Gadol, and is read to also talk about when the Kohen Gadol was dead, somehow they, that's read into the Pasuk, there they emphasize that it's talking about whole, complete. Okay. Rabbi Babar Mamal, boy. Rabbi Babar Mamal asked. Reb Shimon is uh, reversing his position. There he says it comes from the Yorshim. Now where's there? So the Mepharshim say it means implicit in the Mishnah. Because the Mishnah, he says, it comes from communal funds as a Takana. So presumably means that in principle it comes from the Yorshim. The Hacham are here, the possible, in what we just quoted, he says, Michel Tzibor, that fundamentally it comes from communal funds. So, Now, by the way, it is an interesting conceptual question, right? Because if the Kohen Gadol is daily bringing a korban, and it does come from his funds, on the one hand, it's a personal korban. On the other hand, why does he have the, an obligation to bring a personal korban every single day? And obviously, it's because he also is a the public figure and represents the entire Beit HaMikdash. So, to some degree, even though it's own personal korban, it's also a korban of the Beit HaMikdash. You know, it's a korban that has to be taking place in the Beit HaMikdash, and it's through the Kohen Gadol as the representative of the Beit HaMikdash. So as such, when he is dead, the interesting question of, is it coming from the heirs, which emphasize the personal nature of the Korban, or is it coming from communal funds, which emphasizes the public nature of the Korban, is I think a very fascinating question, you know, in terms of this dual dimension, especially when he's dead. When he's alive, you could say the personal nature is underscored, because he's alive, it's his Korban, so it's his funds. But once he's dead and it still is brought, the more sort of public aspect of it, the Beit HaMikdash aspect of it should more dominate and therefore it would come Michel Tzibor so I think you can really hear that as a principled position of course now the Gemara is saying yeah okay you, that's what you said now based on a pasta but in the Mishnah you made it sound like it was only a Takana so what is it according to you Rebbe Shimon that it's coming Michel Tzibor is it a is it a Doraisa or is it a Takana so let's see what the answer is I'm a Rebbe Barba Velo Yeyusu Maksha is he, not, is, he, is he not asking well? Again, it's always hard to know in the Bible if it's a statement or a question. Okay, which is so fine. So we don't have an answer. Yeah, that's a good question. So what's the answer? So, after Rabbi Yaakov Bar Acha, Rabbi Yavah, B'Shem Rabbi Yochanan, Dvar Torah Hu Shetei Bamina Look, it, yes, it is biblically Mina Tzibor. Again, there's a lot of parentheses. We're going to skip the parentheses. Biblically, it's Mina Tzibor, like we quoted in the past Pasuk. But what does it mean, Mina Tzibor? There's two possible ways we can get it, Mina Tzibor. Hayiti Omer Gigvula. I would have said, it comes Mina Tzibor, we have to do a special collection, a special fund now, a special appeal, the Kohen Gadol is dead, and we need everybody to donate money that we're going to use to bring his Korban now that he's dead. So that would have been the first stage. Well, that's, yeah. that's what he's going to understand is the Takana. The fact that the Mishnah says it's a Takana is that you get it not from a special fund, but you get it from the Trumat Halishka. And again, the difference is that the Trumat Halishka was for Korbanot Tzibor, communal sacrifices. So it's a little bit different of saying this is not a Korban Tzibor. It's the Korban of the Kohen Gadol. But the, the fee for it, the payment for it, comes from the Tzibor. So in principle, then, we would have done, had done a special special collection for it. 
the Sakana was that we allow ourselves to take it from the Trumas Halishka funds, which are for Korban Sibor. Okay, so it's communal funds, but it's not a Korban Sibor, but the Sakana allowed us to take it from those funds. All right, and again, interesting about this dual nature of the, of the Mincha of the Kohen Gadol. Now the Gemara asks his questions about it being brought whole, what other implications they have. Michael, you'll enjoy this because I'm sure these are all the questions you would have asked. Okay, he's Kinu Shadit now, Rabbi Yosiyama, Rabbi Yochanan, Bright, Mahu. Now, this, the idea that comes whole, how does that play out? Shlema B'Shachus or Shlema Ben Arvayim, do you still keep the idea of doing it in the morning and in the afternoon, except rather than doing two halves, now you do two holes, a hole in the morning and a hole in the afternoon, okay? Or, oh, Shlema B'Shachus or Betela Ben Arvayim, would you bring it whole in the morning and nothing in the afternoon? Very reasonable question. So, Kate Pshitale, Tichsiv, or now again, that was sort of, so he then sort of resolved it for himself because it says, Mincha Tamid. So, Kach or Kasher. Again, I'm not exactly sure, again, exactly the sort of uh, a tense here, the grammar here. You know, the Corbinator the, the says it sort of means intim salomar. I don't know how you get kate pshitale. Like, if, you, if it is pasha to you because of the following pasuk, then I have the next follow-up question. So if you say that we can resolve that because of the pasuk of tamid, now tamid constantly, you can't do something once in the morning and call it tamid. If you think about the things that are tamid, korban tamid is once in the morning, once in the afternoon, Right? So, and the, you know, the menorah is tamid, you know, but that also, that's through the night, I have a question. Torah is tamid, and that's once in the morning, once in the afternoon. So tamid is, it has to be once in the morning, once in the afternoon. So yes, if, if that's what, how you resolve it, and therefore it'll be shalem in the morning, whole in the morning, and whole in the afternoon. Here's my next question. Shloshis lugi mahing. How about the fact that with that oil, let's say Isaron, you bring three logo, with that uh, flower, that Isaron, you bring three logo of oil. We know that because, as we're going to say in a minute, when you bring a Minchas Nesachim by a sheep, so you bring a Isaron of Solet, and you bring a quarter of a hen, a hen is 12 log. So you bring three log of oil, so that's normally the proportion. One Isaron of Solet with three log of oil. Okay, so we know you normally bring three log with it. Now, in normal, when the Kohen Gadol is, al- is alive, you bring half the Isaron and one and a half log in the morning, half the Isaron and one and a half log in the afternoon. Now that we're bringing a full Isaron in the morning and a full Isaron in the afternoon, what do we do with the Shemen? Okay, so Shloshis Lugin Mayim, Shloshis Lugin Shachas, Shloshis Lugin Beinar Bayim. Does that also get doubled? So three in the morning, three in the afternoon. Oh, Logu Mechza Shachas, Logu Mechza Beinar Bayim. No, we only have the the flour is the full unit in the morning and the afternoon, but the oil doesn't change. The oil is half in the morning, half in the afternoon. Not exactly clear why I would say that. I'm going to be Chizkia. Afudat Shrichalei. So even that was part of the question, you know. Okay. Now, Shnei Kamatsim Mahin. Now, how about the Kometz? Because you would also bring with this, again, not explicit, but you would bring with this a Kometz of Livona. Right? <coughs> By a normal Mincha, you would have oil, flour, and the Livona. Now, we, there's a debate in the Gemara whether with the Mincha of a Kohen Gadol, you bring two Kamatsim or one Kometz of a Livona. Okay? So this is sort of assuming that you would normally bring one Kometz with each half. That when you did it in halves, half in the morning, half in the afternoon, each one would be one comet. So now our question is, now that you're bringing it as holes, a hole in the morning, a hole in the afternoon, what happens with the comets of the Levona? You take the full amount of the Levona that you would normally do for, you know, the two, and do two in the morning and two in the afternoon. Oh, or do you say, that no, you keep it as one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Because basically, right, normally it would be, everything would be half. Where is, I need to use my new whiteboard. 
Okay, so normally you have, you know, you, it would start like this. You'd have one isaron of flour, right? You'd have three loaves of oil, and this is our recipe, and two hamasim of, um, of kitora. Okay. What? Avuvona, right? Avuvona, right. Okay, Avuvona. So, so, then you split it in half. So every, in the morning you have, here's the morning, here's the afternoon, you'd have half of an isarona flour, right? One and a half, one and a half of oil, and one kumis, right? And the same here, right? Half isarona, one and a half oil, right? One kumis. So now what we said is, we're going to double right, the flour. This, is, this has to be shalane. This is considered to be like the mincha proper is the flour. So now that he's dead, we're going to double that. And we're going to make that one. So the question now is, now that we've doubled that, do we keep everything else the same? One and a half, one and a half, one and one, like we normally would do? Or do we now double everything else? Three and three and two and two. Okay, so that's the question that's being asked. But I thought we're going to have a meeting where we don't do anything in the afternoon. No, so now if that's like the inking shalomer. If we decide that we're doing one shalom in the morning and one shalom in the afternoon, and we're now going to double the rest of the things that came along with it. All right, so let's take a look. So, shnei kamatim mahem. Shnei kamatim b'shakl, shnei kamatim b'nei b'ayim. So we're going to double it. Oh, kamatachl b'shakl, kamatachl b'nei b'ayim. Do we keep those things at their normal purport, normal amount? Wait a minute. We learned the idea that you bring a comet of Lavona by this from the case of the Mincha of and where there's the comet of Lavona. Now the next line is a little bit challenging. The same way there it's two comets, here it's two comets. Sometimes it's there, it's not two comets. That's one comet. So exactly what that means and how we're resolving it. I don't know. There's a lot of speculation on that. All right. I'm Rabbi Chizkia. Chum lamdu shloshes lugid lo mitamik shabayin abayim. Where do you learn that you bring three log? It's from a normal tamid, a normal korban that's a sheep has a so one solet of flat one isar on a flower and three log. Mal lahalon shloshes lugin nafkan shloshes lugin. So the same way there it's three log, here it's three log. The only problem is there it's three log for every. Uh, okay, one minute. Umataman srichale afkan srichale. In the same way there it's a question, here it's a question. What's the question there is not clear. Again, the Mephoshim have a different speculation, but the, key, the answer here at least seems to be that once the basic way we learn out the three loaves, how do we know three loaves? Because a normal minchas nisachim for a sheep is one isar and a flower plus three loaves. Okay, that's the normal minchas, right? right a rivi'it hadin shemen. So what he seems to be saying is once that's true, we learn it out from the, from the ratio here. We learn out that each isaron gets three loaves. So once that's true, once we've made this, we've doubled this and made this a full isaron, then this has to become three loaves to go along with it. That seems to be what he's saying. The same way over here, by a normal minchas nesachim, it's three loaves for isaron. Here it's going to be. Now here, why we assume two and two? That I don't know, because by all other things, it's one. It's one comet per per you know you know that comes with the minchas, not two. So that's uh, so. What the answer there is is a lot less clear. What happened to the answer that if you do the full thing in the morning, the afternoon is plateau? Right, we're dealing with the intim salomer on the side that we do double it. Mm-hmm. Okay, then how do you deal with I'm that? I'm sorry. How much is a log? A log is about well, when we have a um, um, when we have for kiddush, what we call a revius is is a revius of a log, and that's about. And that's about three and a half ounces. So a log is about fourteen ounces. 
14 hours. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I find it interesting that he's spending, they're spending more on his editing probably than a lot of years. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. All right, let's finish up this parak. <laughs> let's finish the best. Shalom Yehei. Okay. Now, this is that they allowed the Kohanim, again, one of these things that Basin makes the rules, they allowed the Kohanim to use the wood and the, fl- and the, and the salt, which is for the Korbanot, for eating the meat that they themselves then would, would get from the Korbanot, for roasting that meat, and for putting salt on that meat. Really, there should have been me'ila. And they decided that there would be Okay, that's the mission. I based it. Okay, now this might be going also on the case of the chatas, which also said that there's no chatas with the ashes of the para. But, uh, but anyway, I think, the, I think the plural language is it's going on the line by the kohanim. But anyway, now we transition into the idea of the ashes of the chatas, the ashes of the paraduma. So they also said that those ashes, there's no mi'ila. So the word says, Atani, we taught it right, Okay? So yet that you, that there is mi'ila in, in the actual animal that's the paraduma, once it's sanctified. But ba'molin, ve'in molin be'isara. You're molin it, but not in its ashes. Chatachi. It is like a chatat, not the ashes. So the point is, why did we need a takana to say there's no mi'ila in the ashes if we know from the past that there's no mi'ila in the ashes? All right? You know what? You're right. Biblically, there is no mi'ila in the ashes. And for Yishona, hayu mishtak shekin ba. Okay, I, whatever that means, uh, the first thing it means that they would use it, as we'll see in the next line, they just explain it contextually from the next line, they would use it for some type of a, of a medicinal purpose, and they would put the ashes on their wounds, and presumably that would help in the healing. Okay, so basically, once you said that there was no mi'ila, people would uh, really, like, misuse it. Um, the Gazru, I know, like of all the things yeah. to bother to get ashes from, but you know, maybe they thought it was also like a segula. Oh my right. God, the ashes of the paraduma. I'm sure it fetched a very high price. Okay, so that what, that was the effect of the halacha, the the ikar hadin, that there was no mi'ila. The Gazru Shemimaluba. Then they made rabbinic mi'ila because they had to get people to get their hands off the ashes. But what happened? Kivan Shenigdurug. Once they were sort of separated themselves out because now nobody wanted to be sprinkled with the ashes of Paraduma because everybody heard oh there's Mi'ila that's uh, pretty funny you know you would think okay Mi'ila if you misuse it but somehow that led to people being treating it as too much taboo and not wanting to get sprinkled with the Paraduma ashes so therefore Gazer Shalom so then we went back to the original so it's similar to the answer before about the Tzibor is Tzibor de Araisa or is the Tzibor funds Takana and the answer is both so is no mi'ila by the essence of paraduma del rice or takana? The answer is both. There was an interim stage that we were then sort of like reversing. Okay, but it does go back to the del rice. Stage is reversed to be there. Right. The al Now the last takana is if there are not enough birds, uh, the money, something, you bought it from the supplier and there's now the birds died um, or there was sulot, then, um, <coughs> then you would replace them. And the question was from what funds? Either from communal funds or it would be the, the supplier's responsibility to replace it. So the Gemara says that's pretty much it's a repeat of what we said before Ha'isha Zos Kaperes which is really like explaining why we made the Takana if we did not replace the birds 
so the woman's going to assume her korban was brought, and she's going to assume she's Torah. How is she being atoned for if one of the birds, you know, was puzzled or died, and you don't have enough money for it? So you need to find a way to replace it, either from communal funds or the supplier. So I'm Reb Yitzchak tonight, based in who? The guy supplying the birds, he has responsibility to replace any lost or invalid birds. So Presumably, that that's the deal you make by by you know doing business with the base on mikvah. All right, I'm serious. It's like right, you know, it's extremely high volume. You have to accept certain types of uh, conditions. Okay, entering in to the, is this the last parak? Yes, to the last parak. Okay. Mishnah. Kola Rokin. Now, you remember we were discussing about what happens if money is misplaced, you know, and you don't know the identity of money, right? And then you don't know the identity of a korban. The whole reason we dealt with this last section about the Kohen, etc., was because of a Takana that they did, where one of the Sinai Basins, Right? What was the Tanai based in? Oh, that if you found an animal and you brought it as a korban, you, then, you, then you wouldn't have to pay for the nisachim. Right? Remember that? You found an animal walking around Yerushalayim, you have to assume it's a korban, you bring it to the base of Mikdash, we're not going to demand that you provide the nisachim. And then we got into other conditions and stipulations of based in. But still, the overarching theme is finding things and identifying them, which came from an earlier discussion of finding money amongst the Shofar road and trying to identify where it came from. So we continue with that theme. <laughs> Kola Rokin, I mean, Tzayim B'Yushalayim, all spit in Yerushalayim. Okay, because it's a very big question where the spit came from. If it comes from a Zav or a Zava, then that spit is an Av Hatuma, okay, or Metzora, whatever. Um, so, Kola Rokin, I mean, all the spit, um, Tahorin, or Tahor. Chutz, Misho Shuka Elyon, except for the one in the upper marketplace, there you have to assume that there's a lot of Tamei people walking around, and we'll see why in the Gemara. Okay, uh, where were we? Um, Dinah Remir, that's what Remir says. Remir, no. The Sharakal Yomaz are Shana, really, you can't be that lenient. In the normal time of the year, not during the Regal, Shebeem Satsmeim, any spit in the middle of the street is tough, because the middle of the street is where everybody goes, and the people aren't, you know, if you're going where the masses are going, you're not being careful about Tumantara, and there will be Zav and Zavas walking there. Now, of course, it's still funny, what percentage of the population is a Zav and a Zava? But nevertheless, it's a possibility, and therefore you have to be concerned that any spit in the middle of the road is an avatuma. So if it's sudden, if it's off at the sides of the roads, tohoin, then it's tarkas. Who goes at the sides of the roads? The people that don't want to be with all the masses, and we're going to assume that it has to do with ta- not because of agrophobia. Is that what agrophobia is? Fear, fear of outdoors? Fear of, cr- of uh, crowds. Open space. Uh, what's fear of crowds? Agoraphobia. Okay, anyway. So we're going to assume it's not because of agoraphobia, but it's just going to be because they want to avoid, you know, tumor concerns. So they're going to walk at the edges of the roads. So, so the, the, if any spit at the... Uh, people that are tall will walk at the edges of the road, won't walk in the center where all the masses are. Which is just the opposite. The people who are walking the side of the road don't want... You know, are telling me they want to be telling everyone else. That would be... That would be very nice. But no, you know, they, <laughs> most people during most of the year don't care if they're telling or not, right? Unless, until you have to go to the base of Mikdash, unless you're a Kohen. So the, most of the population went in the middle of the road, whether they were Tamei or not. And only those who were going on the side, were, were only those going on the sides were the Tahors. Ubishas but it gets reversed at the time of the Regal, because there, 
everybody is Tahar and everybody wants to stay Tahar because they got to go to the base of Niktash. Shabem Satarim, Shabit studying to name, those on the side would be Tameh because they would have to, as Michael says, they'd have to be responsible of not making other people Tameh because the uh, proportions, you know, the, the distribution of the population changes. The minority is the one that has to go on the, uh, at the margins. Okay, that could obviously be used metaphorically, I'm sure. Now, let's say you find a vessel in Yerushalayim. Can you assume it's Tahor and use it for a korban or truma? Or do you have to be concerned it might be Tameh? So, if it is Derek Yerida, if it's in the road that goes down to the mikvah, then it's Tameh. Because <laughs> why is it in the road going down to the mikvah? Somebody was bringing it there to Tovah it. Okay? Derek Aliyah Tahorim. Then as it's on the road leaving the mix, it's interesting. Like it's like what was who was like Tevya? One staircase just going up and the other just going down. Apparently, <laughs> one road just goes down and the other road goes up from the mix. But maybe it's a one-way street, which side of the street, or somehow it's obvious. It's obvious that it rolled down. But of course, even if you yeah. dropped it going up, it was. The stairs and the mix were excavated. Yes, have a little wall right in the middle of the stairway. Right for people going one, one way and the other way. Really. Fascinating. Well, it's shot it's of going to and coming. Yeah, yeah. Is when is that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question. That's come up for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So, Vedech Aliyah Tahorin, and if it's on the upward, we're going out, it starts. Because it's not going down, it's like coming up. If it's coming up, you assume it's coming up. Of course, it doesn't tell you at all what you do with things that are not in the environs of the mikvah. Right? That's very helpful if you're in the environs of the mikvah. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, Cool and tahorin. All vessels can be assumed to be tahor. Interesting. Okay, the same Reb Yossi who said that the major right. It's like a reverse position. Reb Meir assumes that most of the spit is okay it's just it's in this one place where the Tmein people gather and Rabbi Yossi says no the Tmein people are in all the middle of the street so presumably in the first part Rabbi Yossi felt that there was more of a presence of a Tmein like really you know in the in the you know in the, in the communal spaces and now they're reversing the Rabbi Mayor is more limited in his assumption about which Kalim are Tahor and Rabbi Yossi says Kuanto no we can assume all the Kalim are Tahor so I really don't get how that you know exactly how those positions sound except for a basket and a shovel and a maritza is also some types of like a pushing implement that they would use at, you know in digging of graves and uh, you know so those types of things obviously are assumed to be Tameh but everything else is assumed to be Tahor so again it's quite fascinating he recognizes that there are Tameh people in society and we have to assume spit is from the Tameh people but vessels you know maybe it's like a cold to parish maybe Ruba parish that they could, most of the people are Tahor then why are you concerned about the spit? so I don't know is the same Rav Yossi that's concerned about the spit is okay with the vessel now Sakin Shemin says Piyudalit let's say you find a knife um, on the 14th of Nisan. So, what are people using knives on the 14th of Nisan? Shechni de Korban Pesach. So there, even if normally you're concerned that a vessel might be Tamei, you know, so nevertheless, if you find a knife on the 14th of Nisan, Shochet Miyad. You can use it immediately and you do not have to worry about... Well, maybe. But you don't have to take it to the mikvah. Okay? You can assume that its vada has been taken to the mikvah. Now, why don't you have to be concerned that maybe the owner was going to take it to the mikvah later today? Because if he took the knife to the mikvah later today, it would not be able to be used until tonight. You need to have Shemesh. 
So therefore, any night that's, that anybody would want to use on the 14th would have had to have been taken to the mikvah on the 13th and be tahor. So you can assume if you find it on the 14th, it's already tahor, and you can use it immediately. Okay? Now, but if you find it on the 13th, shona umatfil, you have to again put it in the mikvah. Now, you don't know it's again, but the point is, if it's on the 13th, it might be that the owner was planning on taking it to the mikvah later today. Right? And he could have taken it later today and still used it tomorrow on the 14th. So you don't know that it's been to the mikvah yet, so you would have to take it to the mikvah today if you wanted to. Now again, why that's necessary, given that Rabbi Yossi just said all Kalim Tahor is not clear. Maybe this is Rebbe Mayer, maybe we're being more strict because of Korbanot. Okay, let's take a look, although why else would I care that it's Tahor if not because of Korbanot? Anyway, Kufit. Now how about if you have a Kufit, which is more of a cleaver than it is a Shechita knife. So that, they would not really use for shrita. What you would use it for is for dismembering a korban. Except there's, for one korban, you would not want to use it for dismembering, which would be the korban bezach, where it says, kol esem lo So therefore, this type of a cleaver is something that they might need on the regal itself, on the 15th itself, for the various korbanot, but they would not need on the night, on the night of the 14th. So this one, they could, or on the, on the day of the 14th. So the cleaver, they could take to the mikvah on the 14th, even if it would only, and that would be okay, because then they wouldn't need it till the 15th. So you would have the hair of Shemesh at the night. All right? Now, if that's true, if you find it on the 14th, you don't know if this is before or after it's been to the mikvah. Okay, because this, is that clear? Meaning the, the knife you need on the 14th, so it had to be taken to the mikvah on the 13th. So cleaving now on the 15th, it had taken on the 14th. If you find it on the 14th, you don't know what state it's in. Okay, so, kufit, bezel, bezel, whether the 13th or the 14th, shown at umatzpil, you have to take it to the mikvah again, because it might not have been to the mikvah yet. Chalar basar v'yosh Let's say the 14th was on Shabbos. Now, you can't take a, a something to the mikvah on Shabbos. So in that case, if you wanted to use the cleaver on Yuntiv, right, you would have to have brought it to the mikvah on the 13th. So therefore, it would be okay today. So in that case, you can use it right away. Right. The tetvav, let's say you found a cleaver on the 15th itself. So similarly, you can use it immediately. Because you don't take it to the mikvah on the 15th. You wanted it to be ready on the... Whoever had it wanted to be able to use it on the 15th. So they would have taken it the latest at the 14th. So if you find it on the 15th, you can use it immediately. Now, if a vessel is found or the cleaver is found um, tied to a knife, whatever we assume about the knife, we assume about the cleaver because they probably brought it to the mikvah at the same time. So although this, a normal cleaver on the 14th cannot assume to be tahor, if the cleaver and a, and a shechita knife, you know, are wrapped together and they're found on the 14th, so the same way we assume the shechita knife is tahor, we'll assume that the cleaver is tahor as well. Okay, let me yes. the, the people walking on the road. Um, the assumption is that everybody is abiding by uh, all these well I think oh you mean like the well no, during the normal year it works because who who would want to go on the side of the road except somebody that was consciously avoiding so during the normal year why we say the side of the road is okay it's alright but your question is during the regal why are we assuming that all of the main people are abiding by these types of uh, you know concerns it's true we have to assume that at least they care enough about communal concerns during the regal not to make life hard for other people. But you're right, we're making that assumption. Doesn't this tie into what we do with the, 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 the 
<laughs> right. Actually, there's an excellent article that I'm reading right now about, I mean, there's a lot of scholarship about the Amehaaret and the assumptions about them and which group of people is it actually referring to. Anyway, so there's an article that I'm reading about, really, about how, you know, it might have been less a real group and more type of a rabbinic construct. Anyway, but that it develops over time as well, that the idea that they both can't be trusted of Tumatara and that they don't take Tumas and Maestros um, were sort of at different stages of how Amars were conceived were those different elements added. But uh, anyway, yes. So. You know, this is it's kind of the same idea with the meat. We, we assume the majority of the people are doing it this way and so we go with the majority. Right. And I think this is following. Right. Up, right? But of course, but the majority of the people aren't Zavim and Zavos. So if that was true, you'd never have to worry about spit. You well, know? Right, but the majority, what I'm saying is the majority of people right. are following. Well, right. Right. That's true. true. Right. Okay, I mean, that's true. We could sort of say, if there's a few that aren't abiding by it, you know, that, that we're not going to pay attention. Because still, we, right. There was a 10% chance right. the meat was right. right, right, right. Okay, Now, Katsin Shonachim Hayusham. Why was the Shuka Elyon, according to Rabbi Meir, considered to be the one place that's Tameh? Because that had a, um, that had a launderer, um, a laundry for non-Jews. Big deal. So this is assuming, like we find out in the Sechah Shabbat and elsewhere, that Chazal may, treated non-Jews like uh, Zavim. So, and, 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 and therefore a source of Tum'ah. So therefore, since that was a major place for non-Jews, that's why, according to Rabbi Meir, that was, that was Tameh. The spit there was Tameh. I'm Rabbi Hanina. Arudos Hayu Nochrin Biushalayim. Um, these Arudo, which I think are like, uh, um, uh, some, uh, what are they? Um, wild, wild donkeys. Wild donkeys, right? Yeah. This is, it's the same way. In other words, the Chachamim treated the corpse of a non-Jew as being a source of tumor. No, well. corpse of a non-Jew is doraisa. No, this is a special pakana that they wanted to in order to limit interactions between Jews and non-Jews, and they treated all non-Jews as like a zav, zav and zavos. It's a very, you know, which obviously will make you keep your distance. Yeah, in general, right, general harchaka, right. Okay, so these wild asses were um, were sort of like uh, ferreting around. How did the, how does how does your shy belt translate that? No cream, Charlie. Oh, pilgrims. No, 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 no. Arudoch hayu no cream biushalayim. Spear them. Kill them. Oh, okay. All right, well, that makes sense now. The Hayu only regoli mishtakim b'dam al arkuvosehem, and people that would go up um, on the regal would be into, you know, blood up to their ankles. Right, right, right. I thought it meant that the, that the animals were no chrim, and not that they were no chrim, the animals. Okay, that's what. Anyway, uboolis nechachamim v'lo'amru lahen davar. And they came to the sages, and the sages didn't say anything. I have no idea what this has to do with anything. Says, well, what does it have to do with the question about why spit being tamay and whatnot? I'm not getting at all what the context is of this statement. What? Maybe it's available. We're talking about spit. Anyway, all right, I do not understand what the context of this statement is. Okay, um, now, Rabbi Simon B'Shem Rabbi Yashobin Levi, Maset, what? Does he say anything about what the context is? Okay, now, now that we're talking about, I don't know, Tumma and dead donkeys, we're going to talk about the dead donkey of, of the base Rebbe. And this is word for word a sugya that we had about two weeks ago. So hopefully this will go fast and you'll remember this, okay? But it's a total digression. Masif appeared to Michelle base Rebbe. There was a story in the, in the donkey of the Rebbe's house. Shemesa, it, was, it died. And they said that the blood does not have a status of Nevela, only the meat has a status of Nevela. 
Now, Rabbi Eliezer Shalu Rabbi Simon, Rabbi Eliezer Shalu Simon, Ad Kama, how much blood did they say until how much was it tahor? Was the blood categorically tahor because it's not meat? Or was it only because there was less than a, a certain amount? And once it was a revi'it, then maybe it would be considered to be significant and equal to a kezayis of meat, and maybe it would be tamay. So until how much blood did they say it was tahor? Below Agive, he didn't respond to him. So Shalu Levi Yeshua ben Levi. So then he went and he asked Levi Yeshua ben Levi. Amar Levi, Levi Yeshua ben Levi said to him, Ad Revius Tahor. No, actually, it's only Tahor up to a Revius. Yosem Mikan, Revius and more, Tameh. It's Tameh. Okay, so it's not categorically Tahor. Ubash Rebbe Liezer, the Lochazalei, Rebbe Simon, Shmuasa. And Rebbe Liezer was upset. It was bad in his eyes that Rebbe Simon wouldn't give him an answer. No kidding. Now we have another story about that. Rabbi Yosef, the Rabbi was sitting and telling over this story that they said that the blood of this uh, donkey, dead donkey, was tahor. I'm going to read Yitzhak said, the question is said to whom? So some want to say it means again said to Rabbi Simon to make it parallel to the previous discussion. Anyway, Ad Kama, until. Um, until how much? I'm like Adrivius Tahor Yosemikan Tamei. So is it until Adrivius is it Tahor? More than that, is it Tamei? Maybe that's an answer. Maybe it's a question. It's, uh, because we'll see. The next line is Ubaite, and he kicked him. Okay. So again, you have one one story that he didn't answer him, another that he kicked him. So we saw this. It was before. So, yeah. So Amalei, because that's what the Aroda probably did. Right? right, that's right. That's true too. That's what we're talking about. Amalei Reb or said, "Begin to have a because he asked you a question. Is it how how much? What's the story? More than Revius? Less than Revius? And he asked you a toipe. He asked you a question. You kick him. That's how you respond to a question. Amalei, begin to have a my 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 mind wasn't settled. The Amar Rebbe Chanin Vayu Chayecha Tzuyas Luchaminegid. Your 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 life will be suspended opposite you. Zeshu Lokech Lochiting Lishana. That you have a year's worth of grain, but nevertheless you don't you don't have a field, so you don't have the source that's going to provide for you. But at least you got a, a year's worth of grain stored up. Fachadata Laila Biyomam. Yeah, you'll be afraid day and night. That's even greater anxiety. Zeshu Lokech Mina Sidki. That's somebody that is buying from the uh, provider of, of of grain, and therefore you don't have even have any grain, but but you have a supplier. The low tamin which is even more, you don't have any faith trust in your life. palter. That's somebody that gets from a baker, which presumably is even more precarious because it has to be baked and it's more processing and even less sense of having something on your own. The ana paltira, and I rely on the palter. So I don't know what type of answer it is. You know, he's basically just saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I have too much anxiety in my life. I can't deal with questions. All right. <laughs> no, fascinating answer. Uh, and anyway, the whole thing was a digression because of this issue of the donkeys, and I don't even know why we discussed the donkeys. Maybe, maybe it was just saying that that's what they did in this shuk, is that they would fear donkeys, and but then it's also... And that brought more, and that brought more non-Jews into the area. They would hunt these things. Maybe. Some explanation of... Right. Yeah, that's what the Corbinator says, that they were killing the donkeys donkeys to feed to the lion. But anyway, but presumably, somehow, either it's like a colorful comment to make about the Shukalyon, or somehow, as Dove says, it explains why it would be a place where Tameh people would go, where non-Jews would go, and led to the problems we were discussing. Okay. Now the Gemara goes on. Uh, where were we? Um, Kedon. So, um, so what is go- meaning? What's so sort of like you know Mahavela? What's the conclusion of this about the blood of the Nevela? So hey, Rabbi Yosheh ben Torah, al tahor. Oh, we have a Mishnah that says that the blood of Nevela is tahor, categorically tahor, not based on a, just less than a minimum amount. 
So no. So the answer is, if you say that it is that it will be tame after an amount, it means that it won't make if that blood goes on a, a fruit, it won't make it susceptible the fruit susceptible to becoming tame because you need a liquid to go on 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 food to make it susceptible. How we What blood, but not blood of nevela, other blood. Okay, but to, but it actually is a source of tumah, which is a pretty amazing read into a into a mission that says it's tahor means that it, no, it is tameh. It's just that it doesn't make other things susceptible. So the Gemara doesn't like that answer. Taman Taninan, we have another Mishnah. Dama Sheret Mitame Kibsaro, the blood of a Sheret, of a rodent, is Tame like the flesh, you know, with a certain amount of it causes Tumah. And Mitame Veenomachir. And this blood causes Tumah, but it will not make food susceptible for becoming Tame. The Ein Lanukiyotsebo. And no other thing is like this, that it causes tumah, a, a liquid that causes tumah, that's not machia. So you can't, obviously, you can't say that's the story by the novella, that it's metame, that it's metame veno machia. Okay, so the Gemara says, uh, No, 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 no. It means no other thing has this quality of being metame and not machia when, when the shear of the, of the same size, because the size of a sheret that it causes this is very small, a kiadosha, like a bean. But uh, we do have other things. Uh, uh, but we do, we we do have other things, i.e., in Avela, where the blood does cause tumah. So it's really uh, it's really very strong proof against it, right? That it says that oh, that we have one thing that says blood of Avela is tahor. We say it only it really doesn't mean it. We have another thing that proves that it does mean it. And the mother, no, 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 it just means the same quantity is not the same. Okay? So, Amr Reb Yossi, Pligibat Train Amorayan. So, in the end, this is the debate of two Amorayim. Chad Amr, Amr Tamei, one says blood of an Avela is categorically Tamei. The Chad Amr Tahor, the other says categorically Tahor. Man Amr Tamei, Reb Yehuda, like Reb Yehuda, we haven't quoted a Reb Yehuda, but there's a Reb Yehuda that says that they Shammai and Beitil debate about the amount, but they both agree that blood of an Avela is Tamei. Uman Damar Tahor, and the one that says Tahor, Rabbi Yeshua ben Betorah, like the mission we quoted before, the Rabbi Yeshua ben Betorah said, the blood of an Avela is Tahor. So even though you try to do a Kvesh and get out of it and say it means it's not Machshir, the simple sense of that Mishnah is that it is completely Tahor. Okay, Amalei Rabbi Dimin Nechusa, the Yos, it actually works out nicely. The Rabbi Yehuda, because we said Rabbi Yehuda is the one that says that the blood of an Avela is Tameh when it's a certain amount. And he says, Moraina de He was the posseh for, for Rebbe, for, for, you know, for the Nazi's house. He was the posseh for Rebbe. So the whole story was Rebbe's donkey died, and the blood, they said, was Tahor. And then it was said, oh, only up to a certain amount. More than a reviz, it would be Tameh. And now we're saying, oh, some say it's Tahor categorically. Fine, there are those that say it's Tahor categorically. But Rebbe Yehuda says it is Tameh after a certain amount, and Rebbe Yehuda was the posseh for Rebbe. So it all works out well. Okay. Anyway, that was a whole repeat of a sugya with a digression. Let's finish up. Kola Rokin, all the spits. Lokain Rebiyavo B'Shem Rebiyosi Ben Hanina. Logadro Lorokin Shabiru Shalayim. Why do we say that the spit is Tameh over in that marketplace? Didn't, don't we have a teaching that they did not make a, that they did not say that, that make a Gzeira on the spit in Yerushalayim that you're allowed to assume that it's Tahor? Ha'imar Allah Rebiyavo B'Shem Rebiyosi Ben Levi Katshin Shal Nacharim Hayusham same thing we said before, just repeating it now. No, there was a uh, launderer for the non-Jews in that marketplace, and that was a special exception. The, okay. Yeah, special says it's a fortress. A fortress? Katsran is a fortress? That's what it says. Okay, so the... Um, cut, uh, the anyway, the Nosekalim here... The one that 
Roman garrison. Oh, maybe that would fit in. That would certainly fit in a lot better with the whole donkey's blood and all the killing that was going on there. That would that would make a lot more sense. Okay. Yeah, our scroll does say London. Yeah, well, that's what the Corbin Aja says. But that garrison makes it look better. And it also makes sense maybe why they're saying it's Tomei. Maybe they just wanted the Jews to avoid it. Maybe it wasn't really even so much technically that the spit was Tomei. But I mean, my God, if they're killing all these animals and it's flowing with blood, you know, gives the Jews a reason to avoid the whole thing. I don't know. Okay. So, now we discuss the position of Rebiosi that says it matters the middle of the street or the edges of the street. The Tmei would go like Sibyleth, uh, Shibolet. Um, I assume it means because a Shibolet is like a, you know, like a, 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 what do you call it? A bundle, what? No, is it? A stalk. Um, is a shibolet? Is a shibolet a similar? It's a sheaf. It's a right? And then it's a whole sheaf. It could be also a stalk. You got I me mean, shibolet shual. Anyway, <laughs> it's, some, it's something that is. It's something that is pretty, you know, straight and you know, erect. So shibolet means like they go like the middle path. They go, you know, the you know the, um, they do the straightaway. Okay. Right. Shibolim. Right. So there you go. Yeah. So that would actually make the shibolet the. Not the uh, what what oh, the ear. Shvil. Oh, that oh, that's also true. So that even works better. Okay, right. which is like Right, right. So that's a good question. Which is the metaphor and which is the origin? That's a good point. Okay. Anyway, they would go straight down the center. Uh, people would go on the edges. Proshu, the term would go with on their, not saying anything, and the Tommy people in the middle, they would say, "Keep away from us, we're Tommy." Bishaf Haregel, the time the Regel had to horn Malchin Shibol, so the horn would go in the center. Hatamei Malchin Minatzad, the Tommy people would be on the margin. Hatamei Malchin Stam, the Tommy would go without saying anything. But the horn only went frozen. The horn would say, "Keep away." So the people that are going in the middle are telling the people in the margins to keep their place. Okay, stay in your place. <laughs> uh, but they're the dominant force, so the ones in the middle. Okay, call a kaling on inside. Low kainam revyobishim revyokanon, low gozwala kaim shibushalayim. So I don't understand. What's this idea that some of the Kaylee marks are, are, are Tame? Don't we, according to this idea, uh, the position of Rebbe Mayer? The, uh, uh, Rebbe Mayer. Right. Don't we say that there was no, they, no, no the Kaylee, they were not go there? So the Mark says, no. Mikivan Shaninsu, Derek, you read the that's such an obvious answer. Okay, maybe the rules are not Tame. But if you find them on the way down to the mikvah, Nasu Hochihach, that becomes evident. You know, that, then it's clear what their status is. So now we're doing a different part of the Mishnah, the vessels that were used to, move to for, for, for grave purposes. Okay, so we spoke about three vessels there. A basket to move bones or to move, I don't know, to move dirt. A magreva, which is like a shovel, and a maritza. So what is this maritza? So Abishal would call it tzipurim which is like, I don't know, a fingernail, maybe it was shaped something like a fingernail. Mandam a tzipurin, shayadoma a tzipurin. Oh, there you go. It was shaped like a fingernail. Mandam a meritza, the one that calls it meritza in our Mishnah, shemeritza et evan lebetakvarot, it causes the stone to run to the cemetery. So somehow it would be used to push around stones and move them around. Okay, kupits, now you have that, what? I don't know. Kupits, now you have the hatchet. Tani, hasakin kshurala hareza kamota. The, the knife that is tied to it is like it. Now that's funny because our mission said no, our mission said the opposite. Our mission said that the kupit that's tied to the knife is like the knife. This is saying the knife that's tied to the kupit is like the kupit. So this might be a brighter that argues on the Mishnah. Others say it means that no, let's, that it's talking about like if you have two knives together, you know, and any one knife, and you know the status of one knife, 
then you can assume that that's true about the status of the other. Okay, uh, I guess we will end here. Um, so, we're, what's the story, Charlie? Are we, there was a possibility